Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your Fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Let's stand to our feet. We've got a new song this morning, and it's all about the battle and the victory. Amen? Come on, don't you know that we fight with our praises and we fight with our worship? So this morning, whatever you're walking through, get where you need to be with Jesus and praise him through whatever it is that you have going on, and then let's allow him to intervene Let's allow him to take over and let's allow him to have that victory seen through. Come on, let's do this. Come on, put your hands together. Come on. When all I see is the battle. Everything. 
I believe that's what we all want, is we want God to have his way in our lives. And it takes surrender. We're singing this song, I Surrender, and it, it was reminded me of when uh, my youngest daughter, Kayla, was like three years old. It's like, she would, anywhere I took her and we would hold hands, she would fight against me. Like she wanted to go somewhere else. She wanted to go her own way. And there would be times I would be taking her to do something great, like get her ice cream or something. And I'm trying to lead her to the ice cream stand. And she decides she wants to go off another way. So she's pulling against me like, Dad, no. And, and, and crying and straining. And all she was doing was wearing herself out. Because out of direction I was taking her. And I wonder how many times have I been pulling against God where he's trying to get me to a destination. He's trying to get me to a place of blessings. He's trying to get me to destiny. And, and yet I have my own will where I'm fighting against him and I feel his leadings where he's saying, Dan, I want you to change that. I want you to, to, to stop that. I want you to do something different. And I, I feel him leading me, but I'm pulling against him and I'm wearing myself out. I wonder how many times I've gotten to a point of just complete exhaustion. You ever been there? I think for a lot of us right now, we need to take the words that we just sang and bring them straight before the Father and just admit to Him that, God, we've been fighting against you. We've been trying to do life our own way. And let me be honest, I don't like the results of when I get my way. I want the results of when I get my way and then I get them and I don't like them. But whenever I let God lead me, sometimes it's... It's not what I would have expected, but it's what I wanted in the end. So I want to just ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and in your own words right now, just bring this, this will issue, this fight issue to a place of surrender before your heavenly Father. Jesus, you see our hearts right now, and, and you recognize that we're here before you standing, knowing that we're, we're sinful, that we, we make mistakes, we, we have our own fight, our own will. We want, we're selfish, we wanna do things our own way. And God, we, we present that to you and we apologize right now. We, we repent from that, God, because we surrender to you because we know that you love us so much and you know the plans you have for us. You know the destiny, you know the purpose. So forgive us for fighting against you and where you're leading us. God, we wanna walk with you. So I pray right now that for each and every one of us, you would give us the courage to be able to follow you even when our flesh says no. The courage to be able to trust you even when we're scared. God, the courage to be able to listen to you and obey you even though what we desire flesh on our flesh side is not the same. God, we thank you for your love, and we just pray that right now, as you're in this room with us ministering to us, you would speak to each of us personally, that we would all come to know you more, that we'd experience your presence, that we'd see Jesus in this place, that you'd, you'd touch us in our lives today, change us, heal us, move in this place, God, we ask, and it's in Jesus, the powerful, mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise. He's so good. He's so good. Well, church, I'm excited for 
for this service, this morning already in our nine o'clock service was just powerful, it was wonderful, and, and I'm excited about what God wants to do in this place with each and every one of us today. And I wanna welcome you here today. Thank you so much for being here, either whether you're joining with us online, listening to this at some later time, or if you're here in this room, we're so glad that you decided to worship with us this weekend. It's so wonderful to see your beautiful faces. So uh, before you sit down, go ahead and show yourselves friendly, shake hands with someone, tell, tell someone that they are blessed in this place today. And if you're with us online right now, I want to encourage you to type into the chat where you're from, because uh, we love to find out all the different places that people are watching from. We know that our, the spread God is just using to get to many different states all over the place. So we would encourage you, just type that in there. We'd love to be able to contact you um, and talk with you a little bit more, as well as for any of you that might be visiting with us, um, uh, whether this is your first time here or you've just been coming a little bit, kind of, and, and you might consider yourself a guest or you're you're visiting with us online, you just someone sent you this link and you're just watching it right now. If you want more information about our church, we'd love to talk to you. If you just text the word fellowship to 94,000, that's the word fellowship to 94000, um, uh, we will get in touch with you, give you some links where you can get some more information about our church. But again, thank you so much for watching. We want to encourage you that if this is blessing you, don't let it stop here. Um, share this link, pass it on to someone else, email it to someone else. But if it's blessing you, let it bless some other people too. So pass it on. Uh, this is the part of our service now where we're going to continue worshiping God with giving him our tithes and our offerings right now. Anytime we have the opportunity to give, um, I, I do hope that we would all recognize that, that when God gives us opportunities to give, he, it's not like God is sitting in heaven going, I, I need their money. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to pay the bills if they don't give me their money. No, 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 no. God doesn't need anything from you. Do you recognize you serve a God who has no needs? Like, you serve a God, he is self-sufficient. He, everything he needs is within himself. So when he asks you to, to give to him, it's not that he needs anything from you. It's that he wants to do something in you. So God might be asking you to to give because he might be trying to break off some sort of general curse of, uh, um, of greed, some, some sort of general curse of poverty. He might be trying to break you free from something. Yeah, but we see all over the place in Scripture, God is showing us it's a heart issue. He wants to know, where's your heart at? When, I, when, I, when he asks you to give, he, he's trying to see, do you trust in money? Do you trust in your bank account? Or do you trust in him? And, and, and we can recognize that, that it, it's a test where he's seeing, does this person have a foundation of trust in me where I can put more on them and bless them even more? So I want to encourage you today, if, uh, if you are getting ready to give right now, to just check your heart and make sure that, that we're not giving because we feel like, like there's just rules, just something I have to. But no, we're giving because we're putting our trust in the one and only God who can save us, the one and only God who can deliver us, who can provide for us when we need anything. If you have need, he's the one that can take care of it. So I just want to encourage you, there's many different ways you can give. You can text the number on the side screens to give. You can give um, uh, it, by mailing in, or you can drop your offerings in the uh, lobby. You can give at fellowshipgj.com, or the easiest way to give is if you have our church center app. I want to encourage you, if you don't have it, take a couple 
couple minutes and sign up for that uh, so that you can register for classes. You can get sermon notes right here um, while you're watching the service. They pop up on your phone. Um, you can have all that available to you as well as you can give um, uh, on there as well. So th those are all different ways. But before we give, uh, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to show you a video of some uh, of the upcoming events that we have taking place here at the church. So Heavenly Father, we pray right now, and we want to thank you for the fact that you give us the opportunity to be blessed. We thank you that you don't need anything from us. But when you ask us to give, when you ask us to tithe, when you ask us to give offerings, you're doing that so that we can be set up in a place where you can bless us. So thank you, God, for opportunities. I pray that you give us courage. I pray for those of us right now that need to surrender that area of our life over to you, that you would uh, give us the courage and strength to be able to do that today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you give. Here's what's going on at Fellowship Church. Baby dedications are coming up on February 14th. So if you have had a child that you haven't dedicated yet to the Lord, you can find that event on the Church Center app. You can find more information there and sign up on that. Now, Spiritual Warfare 2.0 is right around the corner. Pastor Tim has some more details for you right here. Good morning, Fellowship Church. I would like to personally invite those of you who've taken Spiritual Warfare 1.0 to take Spiritual Warfare 2.0. The reason that we have those that have taken 1.0 take this second course is because for each and every one of us, as we go through that first course, we get an amazing amount of freedom and God just blesses us in incredible ways. But the devil gets upset when he loses ground in our life. So he likes to launch counter assaults on us. So sometimes we feel like we're losing ground to him. And that's what this course addresses. A lot of times we also feel like we need to call and get another deliverance set up. But the truth is we just need to learn how to fight for ourselves. And that's what Spiritual Warfare 2.0 helps us do. It's a, a series that starts next Wednesday night. It's at seven o'clock. It is in the auditorium. It's gonna be an incredible time, not only for us to learn, but also have some time set up for ministry after each session. So please sign up. It's so very easy to do so. You can do so on the Church Center app. The books are $13. That's the only cost of the course. And you can pay for those books on your Church Center app. There's no need to go to the bookstore. We'll have those books for you on the first night of the course. So make sure you're there February 3rd, 7 o'clock. Uh, guys, it's going to be awesome, and I really, really am excited to see what God is going to do. If you're interested in signing up for Spiritual Warfare 2.0, Pastor Tim will be on the west side of the lobby at the counter right there. You'll see the Spiritual Warfare 2.0 signs, so go stop by, say hi to him, and sign up today. We also have a lot of other things coming up. Rooted is one of them. I'm so excited about Rooted. It's something that I'm able to oversee. Rooted is a discipleship course. It also connects you to people in the same age and stage of life. It's such a great ministry that we have here at Fellowship Church. We've done a lot of different uh, groups out of it and they've launched into life groups on their own. They're meeting and doing things outside of the course. So if you wanna connect to people, if you wanna learn more about your faith and where in the Bible it says that you should believe the certain things that Jesus said and did, it's so cool to be able to see and understand how our Christian walk looks like in life every single day. Rooted is a great way to do that. You can sign up on the Church Center app or drop by the Info Center for more information on that one. 
Financial Peace University is back. When my wife and I took this course, it unlocked financial breakthrough in so many different levels. Financial Peace University is a God-centered finances course that we host here at Fellowship Church, and it's a video curriculum by Dave Ramsey and his team, and it puts you in the small group setting where you can learn how God works in your finances. It is an amazing course. So if you need financial breakthrough in your life or you wanna learn more about budgeting and things like that, please sign up for this course. It's on the Church Center app. It's gonna start February 23rd. That's Tuesday nights. It's gonna run for eight weeks. It's an awesome course, and I highly suggest that you get signed up today. For those of you that are looking for your 2020 tax information and all of your giving records, we have those available for you now. We sent an email out with them, but if you didn't receive that or you need help accessing that information, you can find it on your account profile on the Church Center app, or just stop by and see us at the Information Center. You can stop in the offices, or you can call us at 245-PRAY. You can also email us at info at fellowshipgga.com. So many ways to get a hold of us. We wanna get that tax information in your hands and we have those available for you now. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. Enjoy the rest of today's service. time I heard the story of David and Goliath as a kid. I was probably five years old and I was sitting there at the edge of my chair listening to the person tell the story and they were talking about this kid who was only a little older than I was fighting against a giant who was like this burly, hairy, evil looking ogre guy over nine feet tall. And then the kid's weapon was only a slingshot and a couple stones. And I remember feeling afraid for him. Like how is this going to possibly turn out? And then at 
the end of the story, David wins and there's a victory. And I remember feeling utter relief and peace to know that God's people were safe. But you know what story I never remember hearing in Sunday school? Never one time the story of David and Bathsheba. (laughs) Nobody talks about that one, right? I mean, Bathsheba's taking a bath on the roof and David's looking over from his castle. Nobody talks about that. Nobody brings up the story of David and Absalom either. The story where David is betrayed by his son and his son wants to overthrow his dad as the king of the kingdom. And then David has to flee his own castle with his son in hot pursuit behind him, ready to assassinate him. Didn't cover that one in Sunday school either. And I know that my Sunday school teachers probably had good reason to skip these stories. And in fact, we skip them in our children's ministry for the most part as well. But as an adult, I wonder why as adults, we still shy away from the weird ones, right? Like why are we still hesitant to press in to some of the more difficult stories in the Bible? Because the truth is, God can speak to us through these stories as well. Because sometimes walking with Jesus is just difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we have victories and wins and we're full of confident faith. But then on the other hand, the very next day we're struggling and we're wrestling with fear and emotion. Some days are filled with Goliath being slain. And then other days are filled with sin and shame and disappointment and frustration. And the truth is both of them are really important in our walk of Christ. We're going to have the highs and the lows. We're going to have the victories and the defeats. It's all part of walking with Christ. And that's why I love this series that we're in. It's called Transparent. And the idea of this series is to not sugarcoat Christianity and make it come off as rainbows and sunshine and unicorns and easy and perfect. Because the truth is, as we wrestle with our faith, we can meet God in a whole different way than we can meet him when everything is good. The apostle Paul had a moment with God. And in that moment, God spoke something to his heart. And he writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but he said to me, and the he is God. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So that's what God says to Paul. Now, we don't like to hear that. We like things like God's strength is sufficient when I'm strong. But it's saying God's strength is there when I'm weak. And the verse goes on to say, therefore I will boast. Now this is Paul's response. Paul's saying, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so Christ's power may rest on me. He's going to boast about when he's weak. He's going to boast about when he's struggling because he knows that God meets him in that place of weakness. The psalmist said, Um, that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he draws close when our hearts are broken. And those concepts are so important to our walk with Christ because we can learn just as much from David and Bathsheba and just as much from David and Absalom as we can from David and Goliath. And we have to talk about both because the promises in the Bible have the richest and fullest meaning when paired with our brokenness, when paired with our desperate need for God to show up and come through. But if we aren't transparent, if we aren't honest about the process and the walk and the wrestling, then the truth is our stories come off as simplistic. Our stories come off as too easy, too childlike for anyone to believe that they have any relevance in modern day. It's one thing to read a promise in the Bible that says, 
Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, God is with me. And it's another thing to say, two years ago this month, my dad passed away. And it was the hardest and darkest season in my life. But God met me in the shadow of my dad's death, and he was with me. There's a difference when we'll add transparency, when we'll admit that we're wrestling and struggling and that things aren't always easy. When we read the book of Psalms in the Bible, we don't find a cleaned up PG version of our walk with Christ. Instead, we find a raw and sometimes unedited version of faith, one where a guy is just filled with emotions, highs and lows, hopes and fears, faiths and doubts. And sometimes when I think about David, who wrote a huge portion of the Psalms, sometimes I think, here's just a guy with a pen who's pouring out his heart and all of his emotions towards God, like the guy who wrote this song. Dear God, I've been trying awful hard to make you proud of me, but it seems the harder that I try, the harder it becomes, and I feel like giving up most of the time. Chasing their approval and it's killing me. And I know the more I try to prove, oh, the less I have to show. And I'm stuck inside my Thank you. 
this guy and he's just willing to be raw. He's willing to be honest with God about his struggle and what's going on in his heart. And because he pours out that vulnerability, God answers him in the second verse of that song. And God will answer us too when we pour out our heart, when we're vulnerable, when we're honest about where we're at. God doesn't shy away from that. He actually presses into that. So to that end, I've invited here some of our staff pastors, Pastor Sean Tatum, he's one of our youth pastors, and, <laughs> and Pastor Madeline Ansel is one of our children's and youth pastors. And they're going to just share from their own life the, the wrestling and the stories and the process of walking with Christ. And we'll see as we go through our main text this morning, which is Psalm 91, we'll see how God meets us in the midst of struggle, in the midst of heartache. How does God show up and bless us with his presence and with healing and strength? But let's just jump right into it. When I was looking at Psalm 91, the first verse in that psalm just stuck out to me so much. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And this verse really hit me in my current season of life because if there is one thing that I could use more of, it's rest. Now I know that sounds silly because many of you in this room have children and I do not. Um, and I've met many of your children and I could see how they might require more rest. Um, <laughs> um, and I don't have children. But this recent season has, um, it's brought about unforeseen health issues that have robbed me of my rest. In September of 2020, as if 2020 couldn't get worse, um, <laughs> I was diagnosed with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. And for those of you who don't know what that is, um, they are both genetic autoimmune diseases that attack the thyroid, causing hyperthyroidism. If you don't know what a thyroid does, that's okay. I'm still not entirely sure on that either. Um, <laughs> But it's really funny because when I talk about this issue that I'm having, this health issue, in front of men, um, I watch them slowly get more and more stiff as Sean is doing it. <laughs> Just more and more uncomfortable because it sounds like one of those girl issues, you know, um, that you don't talk about in front of guys. But even especially actually when I tell people that it's like a butterfly-shaped gland, then they get really, really weird because it's even more girly. But guys have thyroids too. Um, so I like to joke about it though because sometimes humor is the best medicine. If you don't laugh, you cry. Speaking of humor, um, Sean here, this guy, uh, he actually, he gave me a nickname, which was so sweet. Um, instead of Typhoid Mary, he calls me Thyroid Mary. Um, <laughs> love that. So sweet. Um, and when I told my dad, you know, what I was going through, what I was diagnosed with, he was, he was compassionate at first, but then a few months later, he found out that he had high levels of radon in his basement. And so he invited me over to come and rub my thyroid on the carpet um, to see if that would help. Classic Pastor Tim. Again, I'm surrounded by very compassionate people, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, but again, humor is good. Sometimes it helps us cope with things, so I didn't mind. But the truth is, when thyroids are out of whack, it really 
really hurts. Um, the thyroid is a gland that's in your neck right here, um, and it controls things like your, um, your metabolism, it controls things like hormones, and so all these different effects on the body, and so when it's not working properly, it has a big impact. And so all of a sudden, within a matter of a few weeks, I suddenly noticed some big changes in my body. Um, my resting heart rate was around 130 beats per minute, um, when it should have been closer to 60 or 70, so twice that. Um, I was burning up all of the time. Women who are going through hot flashes, I am so, so sorry because it is absolutely <laughs> terrible and unbearable. Like you feel like you're on fire and it's awful. I almost froze my poor husband out of the house um, because I wanted the temperature so low. I wanted like 63, 64. We settled in 67, so that's marriage. It's compromised. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, some more things that I was experiencing, I was losing a lot of weight, which wasn't necessarily something that I needed or I wanted to do. Um, and I just, the worst part probably was the anxiety that I was feeling on a regular basis. I could just feel it um, rising up in my chest at all times, and it was awful. I was on the verge of tears, if not extreme bursts of anger at all points throughout the day, and irritable could not begin to describe what I was experiencing at all times. Between all of those symptoms, the racing heart rate, the anxiety, just feeling so hot all the time, it made rest and relaxing and sleeping almost impossible. And it was such a difficult time. My mind and my body were exhausted, but my thyroid would just not stop. And I put on a brave face at work because that's what you do. Um, but the second that I got home from every single day, I was exhausted because I was trying to hide what was going on. I didn't want people to see what I was experiencing on the inside. And so then I'd come home and I basically used my husband as a punching bag because I just, I couldn't express myself throughout the day. And so I'd come home and all I could do was just feel like I was being a terrible person. It was so hard. Many times I would just end up in my closet crying because um, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't recognize myself and I, I didn't see a way out. And it was so, so hard. Um, the truth is, is that I went from being a happy and a healthy 22-year-old to somebody with two autoimmune diseases in a matter of a week, and I had no control over myself whatsoever. And I realized that there are way worse diagnoses out there to have, um, but I couldn't get over the fact that my body was betraying me at 22. I kept thinking, this is something that you go through later in life. I'm too young to have this stuff happening to me. And I began to feel like a prisoner in my own body. And this is really hard to share because I'm openly admitting to basically being a crazy person um, <laughs> in front of you all. My first time up here, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but the truth is I didn't have myself together whatsoever, and I still don't to this day. Um, I know that you're probably expecting me to say, but then I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and one day I woke up and I was miraculously healed. Um, but unfortunately, I can't say that. That wouldn't be transparent. I am still very much experiencing these symptoms today. Um, I was hoping that at some point along the way I'd be able to find some kind of cure um, or maybe even just give Jesus some time to heal it himself, to work it out himself. After all, it does say in the same Psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 91.6, do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. But when it became evident that there is no miraculous cure coming, um, I had to make the difficult decision to have my thyroid radiated in a few weeks. So bye-bye thyroid, hello to prescription pills for the rest of my life. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, is that the entire time since September, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to just 
for God to just make everything okay. I was expecting at any point throughout this journey for God to just come and rescue me. I was waiting for him to fix everything somehow, but that wasn't his plan. He was capable, but not willing. He knew that my pride and my arrogance needed a miracle much more than my body did. He knew that the lesson that I was about to learn would be far greater than the pain. See, before I became thyroid Mary, thanks for that. Uh, I keep hitting you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm irritable. I wanna <laughs> um, before I became thyroid Mary, I, was, I would consider myself to be a pretty self-sufficient person. I was very strong-minded and I didn't want to depend on anyone and that included God. Yes, I loved him. Yes, I trusted him. But in the back of my mind, I always had my strength as something that I would be able to fall back on. I always had him in the back of my head as something that I believed in, but not necessarily something that I trusted to save me. He was a contingency plan, not something that I was relying on on a regular basis. There was something inside of me that was saying, even if God fails you, that's okay, because you can always depend on yourself. I was waiting for some reason God decided to abandon me, I'd be okay by myself. I was my own shelter, like that verse talks about, and I had inadvertently pushed him completely out of it. But when I couldn't depend on myself anymore, when I wasn't myself, my body was in complete chaos, I knew that I had no choice but to find shelter once again in him. It says in Psalm 91 too, this I declare about the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. I began to rely on his shelter rather than my own. I began to listen to this verse that I had heard a billion and one times before. And there, under his shadow, his refuge, his safety, I was able to find my rest. I was able to sleep again, despite still having the same symptoms. I was able to relax for the first time in what felt like years. I was able to get my stuff together enough to come up with a plan where I could involve doctors and specialists. Because though he was not planning on miraculously healing my body, he always had the plan to do so with medicine. But most importantly, I began to lean on his strength once again rather than my own, which is something that he had been trying to teach me to do for the entire, my entire life. We see David having to learn a similar lesson as well. He had similar struggles. As Pastor JL mentioned before, during David's reign, um, he had a little bit of a struggle with being arrogant. He began at one point to distance himself from God, relying completely on his own power to rule the kingdom. And he began to make leadership decisions that he should have been including God in. This is when the whole Bathsheba incident happens. And the Bible says that at this point, David was showing utter contempt for the Lord. This is a man that was supposed to be after God's own heart and he's showing utter contempt for him. He was certainly not in the shelter of the Most High. He had been lured away by pride and selfish desires and it took the death of one of his family members to bring him back to the Lord's shelter. Like David, I knew God, I loved God, but it took something drastic for me to begin to trust and lean on him. It took my own health to fail before I realized that I couldn't and I shouldn't be my own shelter any longer. I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't stop my world from crumbling around me. I couldn't even protect the people around me from myself. The only person that could, I was pushing away and keeping at arm's length, and that was God. We don't want to admit to needing the Lord's shelter or refuge many times until we're in the midst of a huge storm. We would rather rely on our own strength and pride and stubbornness than just be transparent and admit that we need his shelter and his refuge. When I finally gave in and I entered his shelter, 
he gave me rest. But first I had to realize that I couldn't rely on myself or anyone else. I could only rely on him. It says in Zephaniah 3.17 in the Amplified Translation, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, making no mention of your past sins. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Luckily, as this verse describes, we serve a merciful and a just and a kind God who loves to forgive us, who is rejoicing over us with shouts of joy, not of anger or judgment, who even when we're pushed away from him, even when we treat him as a backup or a contingency plan or used as a last resort, he's waiting outside of our shelter for us to let him in again. Despite our arrogance and our pride, our inability to trust or to have faith, he's waiting. Let him be your refuge. Let him be your shelter when your world is falling apart. Wow, I mean, that was amazing. And my main takeaway is that my nicknames are excellent. Um, so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dismiss. Everybody has a good, I'm just kidding. Psalm 91 verses 14 and 15. Um, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Back in October of 2019, my wife and I were set in motion to need God to rescue us from trouble. You see, we received some really amazing news that month. We were pregnant, which in itself is a really awesome gift, but, but what made it even more impactful, more special, is that we had been struggling with infertility for almost two years at that point. And if you've been there, you know how hard that is, but we had finally conceived, we'd finally had success, and we were over the moon excited about it. And on June 13th, 2020, our daughter, Elliot Mae Tatum, was born. This girl had been prayed for by just about everyone I know and had been spoken over for years, and she was finally here. And here's a picture of her when she was born, the cute version, not the, anyways. Um, <laughs> this gift from God, who we had to wait for for so long, was finally here. At the 24 hours of life check in the hospital, the nurse came and took Elliot back for some tests in the middle of the night. And to be honest, I wasn't involved in the logistics much because it was the middle of the night and I was taking advantage of the world's most expensive babysitter. Um, but the nurse took her back and, and came back with an update. And um, Elliot had failed a couple of her wellness tests. She had failed her hearing test and her CCHD screen. And the nurse was like, it's not a big deal. Most babies feel, uh, fail the hearing test and we'll just rerun everything. It's middle of the night, she's tired, not a big deal, nothing to worry about. So we went back to sleep. Well, fast forward to four o'clock that morning and the nurse shaking me awake saying, get up now, you need to come with me. I've never gotten dressed faster in my life. And, and then I'm taken down to the NICU where Sierra, my wife, and, and Elliot are. And Elliot had failed her CCHD screen. And if you don't know, that stands for critical congenital heart disease. And what they do is they measure um, the, your baby's blood pressure in opposite limbs on um, different sides of the body to make sure the circulatory system is getting proper blood flow and everything's getting blood. Well, Elliot's was not. She was diagnosed with a coarctation of the aorta, and we were told we would be heading to Children's Hospital in Denver that morning, headed for open heart surgery. And it was like glass shattered in my head. I couldn't think, I couldn't speak. All I could do was hold my wife and stare at my daughter and cry. Which, to be honest, it doesn't really take that much to get me to cry, um, <laughs> but that's what happens when you have two daughters. You cry at everything, and then you go out in the garage and you rummage through your toolbox until your manhood is reestablished. <laughs> But anyways, 
They were gonna fly Elliot to Denver, and because it was such a small plane, only one of us could go on the plane with her. And so Sierra flew, and I drove. And I'm not really proud of sharing this with you, but I did make it to Denver in three hours. <laughs> um, I was smoking in the bandit eastbound and down, like I had somewhere to be. And um, it's fine, though. God and I have talked about it. I repented. It's, we're good. But I, <laughs> I got to Children's Hospital and, and met Sierra and Elliot there, and we got admitted and went through that whole process. But the whole day just kind of feels like a blur. I don't really remember much. I mean... We met with what felt like a million doctors and medical professionals, caseworkers, uh, family wellness, everything like that. And the long short of it is Elliot was further diagnosed with what is known as an interrupted aortic arch with an aortopulmonary window. Basically, her aorta didn't finish connecting, so there was a ring gap all the way around it. And then where the aorta and the pulmonary artery lay against each other, there was a hole in between them. And so Elliot's organs were not getting blood. And we were completely blindsided by this. this. This heart defect doesn't show up in utero, so we had no idea, and neither did our doctor. And, and to what makes it even more weird and, and crazy is that this defect is really rare, and so you need a surgeon who's dealt with it before. And so that surgeon was busy, so we'd schedule the surgery day for another day, but it got bumped because other things, you know, back and forth trying to get a, a day on the calendar. And finally, we scheduled surgery for Friday, June 19th, first thing in the morning which happens to be one day before my birthday and two days before Father's Day. What a way to celebrate, right? And as is clear of the tone of this story, it is all about me. I will be fine. I'll heal. I'll move on from not getting the birthday that I wanted because it's really easy for me to be humble. Uh, oh, man. Nine, Psalm 91, 14 and 15 again. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And we needed rescue. We needed protection. Our child who we had been praying for for years was in critical condition. And needless to say, Sierra and I were a wreck. I mean, we were living out of a hospital room on no sleep. And, and the whole time leading up to this surgery, we prayed. We prayed like it was our primary language because that was all we could do. I, I didn't have the strength to to be the leader in that moment. I didn't, have this, I didn't have what it took, so we just we had to rely on Jesus. We had to just pray, so we called out to him. Have you ever been so desperate for God that, that you knew you needed to pray, but you didn't know what to pray or how? The temptation in that moment is that we, we, when we don't know what to pray, we just don't pray. And, and the truth is, the Bible tells us we should be praying in all circumstances. Never stop praying, even when we don't know what to say. Psalm 91.15, one of our principal scriptures says, When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. When you don't know what to pray, look for your words in scripture. Right here in this psalm, it says, when they call on me, being God, I will answer. Call on him. Simply call on him and ask for help. Look for instruction on what to pray when you lack the words. The psalms have tons of great language for this sort of thing. And praying scripture over yourself, declaring it over yourself is a really great practice to get into. For example, in, certain, in situations of fear and uncertainty, Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We should be declaring these things over our life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom or what shall I fear? The word is full of rich prayer material and it's right there for us. Even on the YouVersion Bible app, you can type in your emotion, what you're feeling in the search bar and it will bring up a scripture based on that emotion. And thankfully, like it says in verse 15, he answered when my wife and I called out. 
when we were in trouble. But to be totally transparent with you all, I mean, I was, I was terrified. I was so scared and, and I was frustrated and I, and I was still in shock. I mean, how could this happen? I, I felt like I was Abraham leading Isaac up to the mountain. This wonderful little girl that I'd prayed for so much who hadn't even met her big sister yet now has her life in the hands of a surgeon. And I sat there holding Elliot who was hooked up to, to IVs and wires and, and I just stared at her. I felt completely out of control. I had, I had no idea how this was going to turn out and honestly, I, I was embarrassed. I mean, I'm a pastor. I should know better than to be afraid. I know where to put my faith in times of trouble. I, I know to be bold and courageous and claim things, but here I was, terrified, holding my daughter and just crying. And much like Abraham, I had a moment. I had a moment where I looked back and I remembered. I remembered that God says he will rescue those who love him and that he will protect those who trust him, that in times of trouble, if we call on him, he will be there. So I held my daughter in my hands, one week old, and I said, God, I give you her life. And if this is all the time I get with her, thank you for it. And I laid her in her hospital bed and I sat down and I listened. That was all I had. That, that was all I could do was just listen. I mean, I was overwhelmed with what ifs. What, what if Elliot didn't come out of that operating room? Or what if she did and, and she was disabled for the rest of her life? Or, or, or what if she never got to meet her big sister Copeland? How would I deal with the loss of a child and, and explaining to my other daughter how Elliot wasn't gonna come home? And so I overwhelmed. All I could do was just sit and be still and listen. And I listened for the voice of God among hospital beeps. And the rest of that day was like a tidal cycle of hope and grief, laughter and sorrow. Sierra and I sat in the waiting room and just kept it together. We did all we could just to make it, which looked like burning through the entire series of The Floor is Lava on Netflix, eating an absurd amount of Panda Express, and watching all the Star Wars movies, going through them with a fine-tooth comb, and as I suspected, finding out that they're airtight. <laughs> like Madeline, I used humor as a coping mechanism, too. <laughs> But after two surgeries and 37 days in the hospital, in the middle of a pandemic, four hours from home, Elliot May Tatum was released from the hospital, ready to start life at home. And here's a picture of her and Copeland meeting for the first time. And here's a picture of her from a week ago. Today, Elliot has been given the clean bill of health. She's not delayed at all, and she's growing exactly as she should be. When God says he will rescue us, he means it. When he says he will be with us in times of trouble, he means it. All we have to do is ask. The statement in Psalm 91 is conditional. God promises he will rescue and protect, but we have to love and trust him first. And I know that that can feel harsh to hear that the promises of God are conditional, but the truth is God isn't looking for perfection in moments of crisis. He's looking for us to look to him. That condition is an impossible. He doesn't expect this eloquent prayer and then for us to have everything figured out. The only thing he expects in that moment is what we have to offer if we will be transparent with God in crisis, if we will bring our raw selves before him and say, help, he will answer. You don't have to dress up the situation. Even if it's self-inflicted, he just asks for our love and trust. And that looks like repentance. 
or that looks like turning over this blessing or this gift that you've prayed for for years over to God because you know and you can trust that he is a good and faithful and loving father who will make everything for good. If we will be transparent with God in crisis, he will rescue, protect, and honor us. If I had all the time in the world right now, I would sit down with each one of you and I would ask you, what's your story? What is your raw, unedited version of faith that you're walking out look like right now? And just like we listen to Pastor Sean and Pastor Madeline's journeys, we would listen to your journey. And we would ask you, tell us how it really felt. Tell us about that moment where you were just clinging to God in desperate hope and, and tell us of the triumph of the victory of how God came through for you with a healing or maybe how we walked you through the loss. But we would listen to one another's stories if we had all the time in the world and we'd listen to the journeys. And then I would look you in the eye and I would tell you, if it's not good, God's not done. And I would tell you, I would tell you if you're in the fiery furnace, then watch out because he's about to meet you there. And if you're backed up against the Red Sea, then get ready because he's gonna part it. And if you're in the upper room and you're just crying out to God, then just wait because the Holy Spirit is about to come in in power to bring peace and comfort to your situation. And that no matter what you are going through, even if you feel like you're in the tomb, that our God is the resurrection and the life. And he will resurrect whatever it is that you're facing. And friends, if we had all the time in the world, I would cry with you as we cried with these two today. And I would listen to your story and I would let you know that no matter what you're facing today, that God loves you so much. And he will, if you cling to him, if you trust in him, he will work your situation around for the good. That's why King Solomon said in Proverbs chapter three, verse five, he said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then after we talked and cried and went through a box of tissues, I would ask if I could just pray with you. And then I would pray this prayer over you. I'd say, God, in the name of Jesus, won't you show up? in a huge way for each person in this room. Won't you give them the breakthrough that they've been praying for? God, won't you bring the healing, whether through medicine or through peace? Won't, won't you show up in their lives and supernaturally help them through what they're going through? God, won't you supply the resources? You're a good God, you're a faithful God. You have a history and a track record with us showing that you will come through. And God, we would invite you now in this moment to come through for this brother and this sister. And God, won't you heal the wound in their heart from the loss and the grief? And won't you support them through the process and the mud and the muck that they're living in in this moment? And God, won't you show yourself to be as faithful in this generation as you have shown yourself to be in all the generations before us. And God, won't you touch and won't you heal and won't you strengthen my brother or my sister in Jesus' name, amen. Well guys, we love you so much and we are with you. We're here to talk to you and pray with you, but we want you to know whether God heals you like he did Sean's baby or whether God walks with you like he did through, is doing through Madeline's story. Just know you are never alone. You are
are never alone. We love you and we will see you next Sunday. If you're joining us online, you guys have a great week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 and 11 a.m.